the top five and it'll be like seven or six and then we'll complain about it's it's five. top five and it's christmas and we've had a few and yeah, you so know let it ride no, we were never strong in math anyway. that's true that's true Oh. Uh, okay, so are we recording? I've already started recording ages. No, I started recording about, <laughs> about five seconds ago. Okay. Welcome, everybody. It is uh, it is Boxing Day, and Brad and Ned are back. Not to talk about, as we promised <laughs> on our last episode, the next iteration of our top five albums. But in light of the Yuletide festivities, who saw these coming? We're going to be talking about top five Christmas movies. I feel like we need to keep our listeners on their toes. Absolutely. You, know, you guys like they were getting comfortable. You guys have been getting comfortable. You've been getting soft. Lazy. Yeah. Complacent. Absolutely. And we're gonna talk about top five. One episode, one episode only, top five movies. All crammed into one. It's all crammed into there one. There will be bitching about others that are not our top five. And there might be some honorable mentions to some TV classics. What we're saying is the math is going to be pretty loose <laughs> on this one. pretty shaky what <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk about. Uh, so who cracks on first? Well, first of all, I want to talk about why we did this. Like, Because you, you texted me yes. the other day. It, I think you, Did you text me on Christmas Day? I think I did. Christmas night. Yes. Yeah. Yesterday. And you were like, yeah. let's do... And you were like, let's not do top five albums. Let's do, and then I'd had a few drinks, so my reading was a bit blurry. My vision was a bit blurry. And I was like, something, something. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And the next day, I was like, oh, yeah, top five Christmas And away we go with it. And here we are. Quick turnaround on it. It was a bit tough, though, because I don't know that I had, like, five Christmas movies Well, and it that also begs, about. you can have a broader conversation about what defines it as a Christmas movie. Maybe we shouldn't get too deep into this because I feel we're stealing too closely. I don't know if you listened to the Stuff You Should Know podcast, the seasonal one, I where they were not. talking. Okay, so they were talking about whether um, Die Hard, Die Hard was, was, a was, was a Christmas movie. Yeah, that's a good reference point. Yeah, I mean, and, and they were it's like... It's set at Christmas. It, it's set at Christmas. So I went online looking for, for Christmas movies because I was like, Jesus, I don't think I have five Christmas movies yeah. that I could talk about. One list I looked at listed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as a Christmas movie. Have you ever seen this? I have not. Is that a Russ Meyer? No, 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 no it's not a Russ Meyer. It sounds like one. <laughs> it it's, sounds it's, Russ Meyer. It's it's written. It was Shane Black's comeback movie. Shane Black was like this this script writing wonderkind who was responsible for Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon, and and a few others. So so he was he was writing strong late eighties, early nineties. He fell off with I think the last action hero, and his sort of career went into into right. a trough. <clears throat> Right. And then he came back with this movie in, in 2005. It's a great movie. It's a bit problematic. Oh, with I do gay know character, this movie. Val Kilmer playing a gay character. And yes. Nobody can get over the fact that he's gay. And it's like, God, it's 2005. Yeah, it seemed to yeah. me like, so I was watching it today. I was like, oh, maybe I should talk about this. And, the, and there's this, I'm just going to talk about this because this is the one coherent thought I had about that movie. Yeah. Was It was like, like Shane Black had all these leftover gay jokes from 1980s when these would have been palatable. <laughs> so, so I was like, ah, now's my chance. I'm back in the saddle. Let's, let's make back these. in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. but Shine, it, you crazy diamonds. But, but was it Christmas? What, what, is it a Christmas movie? Well, so this is the thing. It's set at Christmas, but I don't think it's a Christmas well, so, movie. And this is, I think this is the defining line. I mean, there has to be... Something more than just the time period of Christmas. Because I was watching this, which is a spoof on noir, or yeah. a spoof, a play on noir. And I was like, well, okay, there's a Christmas scene. But then I was thinking, well, if you want a Christmas scene in a noir movie, L.A. Confidential. That, excellent point. Which, has a, which is excellent definitely point. not, not a, Christmas a Christmas movie. movie. Yeah. No, it, it, that's but there is a Christmas scene in there it. There is a Christmas yeah. scene in it, yeah. So I think, yeah, a Christmas movie yeah. needs to be more than just set at the time period. Yeah. You have to sort of have that sense of like 
you know what Christmas means in the Hallmark. Because sense. I've got I've got a a wobbly one that is like, well, how's that Christmas? It's Christmas because I watch it every Christmas. People, well, let's light it up. All right, tea, let's tee up that one. Oh, is that what we're going to do? Okay, let's, let's go, jump buddy. off. Let's jump off with it. Let's start off with with our dodgiest entry. Uh, my number one Christmas movie is The Big Lebowski. Mm. Because I watch it every Christmas Eve. And I have to say, I did not come up with the idea. It did not occur to me on my own to start watching uh, The Big Lebowski every Christmas. I actually read online that I think it, I think it's in Portland. There's a there's a theater. Okay. It was while it was while I was working with a guy over Christmas. We were we were sharing a, a hotel suite, and and he was a big big Lebowski fan, yeah. and and he informed me of this Christmas tradition in Portland of showing the Big Lebowski on big Christmas Lebowski Christmas theater. Eve. I was like, that's a good idea. I love the Big Lebowski, and something about its tone, its lightness, and and you but know, it's it's been a long time darkness. since I watched it. Now I don't. Ah, you should watch totally it every year. Recall like. A Christmas, not a Christmas. Theme, there is but nothing Christmas. There is no about Christmas background. In fact, to I it, went online it? today, uh, looking up. I was like, why, 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 "How is this a Christmas?" I know I didn't right. come up with this on my own, yeah. but I couldn't remember exactly where I heard about it. And the the picture house yeah, that the that, picture that, show. that that is that the is talkies. Yeah, yes, exactly. Right. Yes, not talkies. The <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, the the theater that that shows it says they're showing it precisely because it isn't Christmassy. Okay. To take you away from the cares of the season, oh. so there's absolutely nothing Christmassy about it. But it's okay. it's a great movie. So you watch this every Christmas. Now. I, I watch this every 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 Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve at my house is me alone wrapping presents. Okay. We do we do a scavenger hunt mm-hmm. on Christmas morning. Okay. So it's me also uh, writing and hiding clues in the scavenger hunt. Oh, so fine. it's basically me drinking a few nogs, yeah. the old demon nog, the uh, demon nog. <laughs> And, and 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 watching uh, the Big, Big Lebowski. Lebowski. So Solid. yeah, it's a it's a nice little tradition. Solid. Yeah, and it's. Do it's, we have any background information on the Big Lebowski? Did we look into it? Do we know what what, what do you want to know about it? Like like what do we need? Like what what year was it filmed? Uh, nineteen ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah, I did I did a bit. So okay. yeah, okay. Should I tell the Should I tell I, the kids? I want to hear about more about the movie. The Big Lebowski. I don't know where it stands in terms of the chronology of the Coen Brothers. I think it's after Barton Fink, oh, obviously yeah, after Blood Simple. Film. Oh yeah, it's totally definitely it's thoroughly a Coen yeah. Brothers. I think it's the high point. Like I can't remember if it's. Bef- I think it's after Fargo. Okay. So so it's late nineties. I think golden period. Um, okay. Coen Brothers, definitely my favorite Coen Brothers movie. I don't like it when they get too dark. Right, I find right. I find there's like a. A nihilism in there that just like oh, it's too sucks much. Because you were watching, you were watching No Country for Old Men the other day. Yeah, which uh, and you yeah, love that movie. Right? Love that movie, but I love that movie. I saw it once. I never need to see it again. It's I acknowledge it's a good movie. I never nihilism see it again. in the extreme. Yeah. if you can mix those two metaphors together, those two statements. Uh, but yeah, I think I like it more though because it has that. <clears throat> you know, there's something about West Texas. I don't want to yeah. move to West Texas yeah. anytime soon. But it, there's something about that West Texas, thoughtful, insightful country sheriff. Yeah. That, you know, much like uh, the more recent uh, uh, Hell or High Water. Very similar type genre. Because last year, last Christmas Eve, after um, watching Big Lebowski, I still had some nog left, and I still hadn't finished my wrapping. So then I watched Hell or High Water. Love oh that yeah, movie. great movie. That but, could be a new Christmas. Maybe, tradition. maybe. Bit nihilist, bit tough, pretty bit violence. Tough. Yeah, I think this might pretty be pretty violent last, for Christmas. This might be the last year I watched The Big Lebowski, though. I think okay. I've been watching it at least five years in a row now. Wow. Okay. I, th- I just think I've seen it too many times. Um, 
I'm not going to summarize the plot because I've watched it oh, at nice. least a dozen times in my the life, and I still it. don't know what the plot is. But it's a <laughs> it's a it's a spoof on on the noir, the sort of Raymond Chandler style movie and novel, and and it's it's faithful in the fact that I don't know what the plot is. Like if you watch any of like or read any of Raymond Chandler or watch like The Big Sleep or yep. or The Long Goodbye, it's like I, the, the plot means nothing, right? It's sure. just a it's just a series of scenes. That generally end with the uh, the protagonist getting knocked out and then waking right, up in right. another in right. another scene where right. he'll end up getting Scenario. knocked out again. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I mean, a classic film for sure has spawned a lot of you know. But definitely, probably lines. the warmest and coziest of the Coen Brothers oh, movies. Yeah, well, I don't yeah. Like uh, except maybe well, maybe Raising Arizona. Well, and did they not also do Oh Brother Where Out There? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. A, there's a warm cozy one. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good one. That's, that's pretty yeah. sweet actually. Great soundtrack too. Oh, I think I honestly I think that the soundtrack's better than the movie. I like the movie, ah, but like the sound that soundtrack's yeah, I like the Odyssey good. type. Yeah. yeah. So so I'm going with the Big Lebowski as my number one Christmas movie, simply because it is the movie I have most consistently watched at Christmas time. Ruling out, we talked about this before we came on air. Uh, ruling out like the classic Christmas episodes. So we, yes. so so what we really do watch <laughs> every year is, and I certainly join in for the watching of. Uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas, yeah, and great uh, soundtrack there. Too. Great soundtrack, there. great yeah. soundtrack. Yep, yeah, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas, classic. Not, I don't like the live. Uh, oh God, no, 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 no. We're I not like the cartoon. We're talking about the, the old the like nineteen sixty four or something, yeah, which is amazing because it brings together like Chuck Jones, who was like responsible for some of the great um, Looney Tunes cartoons. Yes, so he's responsible for the animation with Boris Karloff doing the voice with oh, yeah, with. With Doctor Zeus writing the script, like it, 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 you can tell it was. I mean, some of the bit looks a little bit cheap. You can tell it was made for TV in sure. a time when TV sure. was like the the poor cousin to yeah. to movies. But man, that's good. Yeah, the Charlie Brown one, I like mostly because of the voices, and I like because there's like this this inherent irony. It's Charlie Brown complaining about consumerism and doing it really well like really yeah. one of the most effective critiques of consumerism because it's got real children's voices it's got that scene where linus like recites from the the bible yeah, from, which as yeah. someone pointed out to me the other day is like people like it because that's as close as they get to religion every year and it's like yeah that's it exactly <laughs> like like i'm not linus, going to be linus reads that bit about the I'm shepherds and this. the angels <laughs> and it's like yeah my immortal souls redeemed for another year ready to roll. bring on the nog um <laughs> But at the same time, it's like it's peanuts, like yeah. the original, like syndicated, mass-produced yeah. Um, yeah, money true. churner, right? Like yeah. before there were Star Wars figures, there were little Snoopy dolls, like yeah. the That's Snoopy true. snow cone maker. That's true. Like that so. Anyway, thing. so there's yeah. that irony. The other Christmas special that the kids watch, I tend to drift in and out of, is um, the old Rankin Bass. Rudolph the Red-Nosed oh, Reindeer. Oh, I love Rudolph. Do, the, the claymation okay. or whatever. Well, yeah, is that claymation? Love... No, nah, it's not that? clay. It's whatever. It's, yeah, it's stop motion. Stop, stop motion. motion. Yeah. That's what it would be. Yeah. Now, you say, have you ever actually watched it? Oh, yes. Every year. Because, really? It's Cause, a lot cause, of... Because it's, it's just... always playing. Well, and Burl Ives. And I, oh, I love Burl Ives. Burl Ives. You know, and it's funny because if you watch the credits at the front end of it, it advert... Because Burl Ives would have been a big name back yeah. then. Like, 64... Some something like yeah, that. 64, yeah, 64, I think yeah. it was. And I mean, big, and it and it headlines him in the credits, and and it says Burl Eyes performs. Yeah, and it's know, silver and gold, song. and lists the songs that he performs, and uh, it's really quite cute. It's pretty cute. Like, it's pretty. It's, 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 
It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Like I, I, I watched the start where you know there's the guy who wants to be the dentist and that's adorable. Kirby, and then I, then I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you have been watching. I have. And then I, then I drift into the kitchen, make a few nogs, drift back in, and there's this freaking manticore flying around all over the place. <laughs> that's drift right. out again, and there, I know. there's like the this, island of misfit yeah, toys. Like, what on earth? And there's the, the abominable snowman. Yeah, yeah. A few things you bumble, need to learn. Bumble, the bumble, bumble. Yeah, stay yes. away from the bumble. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's pretty solid. Funny you should. So I mean, this wasn't on my list, but could be on my list yeah. as a more modern as the uh, math Christmas, gets sketchy. Yeah. As the math gets sketchy, we just generally start talking about Christmas yeah. movies yeah, as yeah. opposed to actually ranking them. But yeah. This one would have been, uh, uh, yeah. If I were to give out my own top five, and this wouldn't have made our combined top yeah. five. But the more recent, uh, they were hard decisions. It was like it's like it was tough. It's Hillary Clinton yeah, tough decisions tough or decisions. whatever her book this is called. What yeah, but we do. Yeah. Uh, was Elf? Yes, yeah. I considered Elf. Now, if you look at Elf, look at like the costumes of the elves. Yeah, they are the exact costumes yeah. that they they are in. Well, yeah, and, like and exact, like a per- perfect pattern. As well as they capture the burlive snowman, yeah. the narwhal, <laughs> the burlive snowman, who is like. This jazzy, like hipster <laughs> dude, in this in the in the more in the modern elf, but perfect like, and uh, these are fun sort of you know chapeaus yeah. to that time and the, yeah. and you know forty year old men like us who were not watching these in nineteen sixty four but have grown up on them and these things are still on. I really appreciated that John Favreau in Elf, yeah, like when he made Elf, sort of incorporated that in. I thought that was pretty fun. His best movie. Yeah, well, swing. swing uh, oh, I hate swingers. Really? But, well, yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about my distaste for swingers on another. Let's not let's not harsh or mellow here. So let me uh, put in my actual oh, yeah, top for sure top yes. one now. So your uh, Christmas Eve yep. is about uh, getting drunk, prepping gifts, yep. scavenger hunches, yep. hunts, and hunches, uh, <laughs> and uh, and the Big Lebowski. Yep. Uh, so my evening getting drunk. Yes. Key amongst that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, I, uh, I'm just going to do this for just a quick plug, not a movie, but the CBC, as it happens, airing of uh, Frederick Forsythe's The Shepherd, read by Al Maitland. Fireside Amazing. Al. Fireside Al. That reading, I listened to it this year. It was on Friday because, as it happens, is a Monday to Friday podcast. Yeah. But I actually listened to the podcast so on Christmas Eve, I have too. I have tried to make that and, and various aspects of CBC – I grew up on CBC. Yeah. CBC was constantly and you tried playing. to make that into your into, into, it, it just bring it into the family. It <sighs> has not tough. worked. The only CBC somehow that has made it into my family is, is the CBC comedy, um, the debaters, and oh, sadly, oh, sadly canceled now. The irrelevant show. Yeah, the irrelevant show is awesome. Or no, actually, no. not amazing. But no. the debaters is amazing. The, the, the debaters, yeah. No, the shepherd. I think. Uh, I do think. You know. Your kids might be a bit young for it. Like yeah. I think you really need to have an appreciation of what you're listening to there, and the, yeah. not just the brilliance of the right because just a novella. I mean, yeah. but a good author. Like Frederick Forsyth is a great author. Mainly wrote like political uh, thrillers. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I thought it was. Yeah, you know, he wrote that as like almost like a dare from his wife. Like uh, he wrote this. What she wanted a ghost story, so he wrote this ghost story. But he wrote it on Christmas Eve, so he wrote that's the sort yeah. of the shtick behind it. Anyway, some people get drunk and watch The Big Lebowski. Others yeah. write uh, classic works. Well, I, yeah, exactly. Yes. So, and I get drunk and listen to it now. Yeah. For 38 years, it's been on CBC Radio on Christmas Eve. However, then I settle down and watch because it's always on Christmas Eve. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. The 1946 Frank Capra 
uh, classic starring uh, Jimmy uh, Stewart, Donna Reed. Uh, Lionel Barrymore is in that, actually. He plays Mr. Potter. Is, okay, now, is Mr. Potter He's the, the bad rich, guy? He's the banker. He's the, the, the bad banker, guy. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that yeah. wants to take over Bedford Falls and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, yeah, so this movie is inevitably on a Christmas Eve on some channel somewhere. Yeah. Like, they're going to be showing It's a Wonderful Life. And it also, I think, would probably make a lot of people's, you know, top ten Christmas movies. So this I is don't a, think there's any big shocker. So here. I'm going to steal again, and I think actually from the same episode of uh, Stuff You Should Know. Apparently, this movie became a Christmas tradition in the 1970s when its copyright ran out. You're right. And it started just being played. Because it's another one. Like, I've only seen it a couple of times. Because I was like, oh, I hear this is a great Christmas movie, and I love yeah. old, old comedies. And I, and I liked it well enough. But again, it's another one where there's like a Christmas scene or two. Well, so but it's not it's not it in its essence Christmas. <clears throat> no, it isn't. And the Christmas Christmas scene-ness, if I can use that, yeah. is at the end. Yeah. The rest of the movie is all just about his life up to the point of like Christmas Eve, and then this event happens. I won't spoil it for the five people that haven't yeah. seen this movie. Uh, this event happens, and then this angel comes to, to, to show him that he's had yes. a wonderful life. Yeah. Uh, so you're right, but I think for me, so it has become a Christmas movie, but it's one of my top ones. Cause I do like the simple, first off, I love Jimmy Stewart. Like I love Jimmy Stewart, amazing yeah. actor, yeah. Or a classic of like the old cinema when acting was like a thing. Like, the greatest generations, Tom Hanks. Yes. Although Tom Hanks is basically, you know, yeah. of the greatest. Yeah. 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 He can fit He's in basically, quite well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Jimmy Stewart, bomber. If you can't get Tom Hanks, hey, let's get Jimmy, get Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Bomber pilot in World War II. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a very dignified man, but so I love him. I think he's great, but it's also just the message in the film. I do quite enjoy. I love that you judge his acting career by his war career. It's like, well, no, God I think, damn man was a no, but, well, he, because he was a famous actor when World War yeah, II started. Yeah. And so a lot of famous actors like, you know, either were drafted or rushed to join yeah. as sort of a publicity, not a publicity stuff, yeah. but to raise money for war bonds, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And none of them saw any action Ronald the, Reagan Ronald Reagan <laughs> yeah. case in point uh Douglas Fairbanks is he like had a some say he actually saw action he actually didn't really yeah. like he apparently Errol Flynn was just like a medical mess like oh yeah apparently just, like, could not serve <laughs> at all. Yeah. physically but Jimmy Stewart was concerned that this was going to happen to him and he yeah. did not want this he thought it was a travesty if he didn't yeah. get to see action uh he thought it would be unfair and so he had to lobby very hard. He had been a private pilot before the war, so he could actually fly, yeah. and then uh, join the Air Force. And they tried to stick him in various training billets and stuff like this. And no, he actually lobbied. To oh, they also missions. serve those who write. <laughs> those to service. Those who made, you know, yeah. horrible movies about, you know, the horrors of VD or something. So I think what <laughs> yeah. Ronald Reagan did. No, but I like the message of It's Wonderful Life. Yeah. Because this idea that, you know, you know, everyone around George Bailey has done great things. Like his friends made lots of money in plastics and his brother's winning the Congressional Medal of Honor and all these sort of things happen. And he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like he never gets. To I love that message because it really resonates with me. Well, not resonates, resonates. resonates. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to edit that out. <laughs> so I think, but I think there is something in that, Yeah. you know, that the, the friendships that you make, uh, the person that you are, 365 days of the year, not just on Christmas. I think that message that you can make 
individual lives better by just being a decent person is sometimes lost. And I think that's a good message. I like it. I like to hear it. Yeah, maybe it reinforces the mediocrity of my own existence. There's no doubt. But I, no, no, it doesn't reinforce it, <laughs> the mediocrity. Oh, it makes it me feel better. It validates, yeah, it validates yeah. the mediocrity. Validates mediocrity. Me too. Me too. But I, I do think there's some truth in that. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think you can... Make... God, I hope there's some truth in that. Well, Otherwise, well, you know, yeah, why are what we is this? Been... Why are we making yeah. this podcast? I thought we were making Well, no, the, the podcast is our meal ticket. It's our <laughs> ticket out of this. So I think, uh, yeah, so that movie, yeah, really, I mean, it's a good movie. It's fun. Yeah, it's a it is Christmas a good movie. Uh, my my favorite parts are where he's pretending to be, pretending to be, he is playing his teenage self, George, George, what's his name? George Bailey. George Bailey yeah, as a teenager. Like and he looks like 97. 40 yeah, some odd 40, years old. Well, the best one is, uh, uh Prosthetics were, were limited. <laughs> well, the, uh, what's his name, uh. Sam Wainwright, who comes back from college, so that would put him at like what twenty four, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the man's got a receding hairline, and he looks <laughs> yeah. like he's sixty three. So they didn't really go to great times. lengths yeah. back then to try and age appropriate. There's also another message within It's Wonderful Life that I like, and that's sort of, and this actually got it investigated by the FBI in the in nineteen forty seven. But was this sort of so? There's two scenes. There's the one scene where uh, George Bailey is telling off. Uh, Mr. Potter. Yeah. Because Mr. Potter is explaining like, oh, you know, when his dad dies, when George Bailey's dad dies and, you know, they're looking to, you know, end the building alone. And Potter goes on about how like, well, he wasn't a businessman and these are high ideals, but you need, you know, a 50 working class and blah, 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 blah. And then George Bailey goes into this. We must rather... seize the heights of the economy and nationalize. <laughs> well, very much a very New Dealy type. Oh, New Dealy. Okay, yeah. You know, and starts saying how like no, like it's hard for people to get ahead. You know, yeah. and you making money off of their rentals. You know, where no one would get a decent home to live in. Just remember this, Mister Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? There's a good speech. I mean, obviously, I just watched it the other night, but it's a good speech. Like, don't they make, doesn't it make them better citizens? Doesn't it make them better yeah. customers? Doesn't it make them better workers? You know, like some stability to own a home and, and, and build a life. And we need to give them the leg up to do this. And then another close New Deal socialist. You radical. I had no statement. idea you were such a bullshit. Well, I mean, these are fun yeah. little nuggets that were thrown yeah. in. The uh, the X scene was when there's a run on the bank, you know. I remember a that run scene. on the yeah. bank, and then they come to the so all the people come there, and because Mr. Potter's going to buy up their shares for fifty cents on the dollar, and and George Bailey rallies everyone like, no, we've got to stick together. We've got to see through this. You know, you know, your money's not here. Your money's invested in this person's house. We're investing yeah. in each other. I remember that scene. Yeah, yeah, a good scene. And it a is good, a good and scene. A good message. Anyways, so when they have the run on the bank, and and this happens, so. Both of these scenes, well, on the broader message, actually got them investigated by the FBI for communist infiltration or communist messaging. I'm currently reading Tim Weiner's Enemies, which is the history of uh, the FBI's national security uh, yeah. operations. And I'm at, I'm at about 1947 in my, oh, in my reading. And 1947? Yeah, yeah. They... I mean, many things would get you investigated by yeah. the FBI. But I mean, that's... Shows the depth of, yeah. you know, sketchiness. So, anyways, yeah. Little nugget there. That was uh, passion, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. A Wonderful Life is a good movie. All right. I probably won't be as passionate about the rest of them. Yeah, okay. Back over to you, my friend. What am I going to talk about? Okay, yes, my next one. This is a new one to me, uh, but it's one that's near and dear. It's particularly to my younger, simpler child. 
and that is Home Alone. I have done no research on this yeah. other than knowing that Macaulay it is Culkin. made. Yeah, it's it's starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe late, Pesci. Late nineties, early nineties, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely early nineties because there's a lot of payphones. <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, it's one of those movies where everything could have been solved if if everybody had a cell phone. Yeah, uh, which, which apparently is like a real problem for scriptwriters and, and novelists these days. It's like, how do you create? Yeah, problems? there's plots with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't do all this miscommunication <laughs> issues where it's just like just give them a call. Um, so it's it's directed by John Hughes. John Hughes, who is famous for, you know, those 1980s Planes, trains movies. And automobiles. Oh, I forgot about Planes, Which Trains. is actually a Thanksgiving movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway. I, anyway, it doesn't it doesn't fit into the main oeuvre of, of his, which is the, the Molly Ringwald teen movie, like um, Sixteen Candles, which I know you're a big fan of. Oh, yeah. Pretty in vain. He's not even listening. I should, <laughs> I, should point out, I should point out to our listeners at home as I, as I talk about this that that's the brightest True millennial that he is. 1990. Yeah, that makes that makes sense based on the sweaters, the hair, and the um, payphones. So, I mean, what what can I say about this movie? Everybody knows about this movie. I had actually never watched it uh, until last year or maybe two years ago when my younger son found it. He really loved it this year. My son is seven years old. And Macaulay Culkin in this movie, I don't know how old he actually was, but it's supposed to be eight years old. So he's kind of like fixated that, you know, one more year and he'll be capable of, you know, braining people with pink cans on <laughs> strings. And so what I actually found interesting, because this is the first year, again, I generally tend to sort of drift in and out of the room when my yeah. kids are watching this stuff. But this year, for whatever reason, I actually sat down and watched the whole thing with him. First of all, I have to say, there's there's two stories going on. There's the the Macaulay Culkin Home Alone fending off, off the, attackers the the attackers Joe Pesci and intruders. some guy who was taller than Joe Pesci. Yeah. And then there's the other story, which is Catherine O'Hara. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Catherine O'Hara, the family, but mostly Catherine O'Hara trying to get home and rescue him, which seems to be the secondary story. I gotta say, everybody involved in that secondary story involving the parents. Including John Candy, who's in there as the uh, the Polka King of uh, oh, yeah. Sheboygan. Well, which would have been a homage to the Schmengi brothers from SCTV. Yes, yes, there you go. I knew there was there was yeah. something at play here. Everybody involved in that second story put in way more work and did a much better job than they needed to. Right? Okay. Like, I mean, like there was actual not hysteria, but there was actual distress okay. in Catherine O'Hara's performance. It was an excellent performance. Is it John Hurt? One of the the people whose last name is Hurt was okay. her husband. It was a really good, actually, as a parent, it made me tense this, this yeah, attempt the, for them the, to communicate and get back home. And that was really the story I was watching okay. because it was not exactly in its details relatable, but in the, in the overall, like the, that, that underlying um, uh, fear, paranoia sure. that we all have about, about kids. You know, that was very relatable, and I think they played it way better than they needed to, because, like, the basic audience here is is my son, who yeah. just wants to hurt Slap intruders. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've got the main story, which is Macaulay Culkin, you know, slapping his cheeks and going wide-eyed, and then, like, really physically hurting <laughs> these, these Joe Pesci intruders. and that poor taller guy than Joe <laughs> Pesci. And, like... It's like straight up theater of cruelty stuff. The things they do, and and I remember listening to uh, something on the radio, you know, maybe maybe this year, maybe last year, about like what if you actually did the things that they did to these these intruders? Oh, yeah. and it's like, much... oh yeah, no, a paint can to the head would actually knock your head straight <laughs> off. These guys would have been killed, killed several times, several times over. over. So unlike 
The Big Lebowski, who I have not, yeah. which I have not seen in yeah. years, but have seen. Yeah. A Wonderful yeah. Life, which I watch every year. I have never seen Home. It's pretty good. There's a scene from it that gets referenced often when, and I and I have a feeling it's a more thoughtful scene, and it's something with an old man. There is an old man in there, and and I got to say, I kind of drifted in and out for that. Although <laughs> I was actually present in the room, right? Perhaps in spirit, I was not present. There's an old man who everyone's scared of because they think he killed someone or something like that. He's sort of like the old, the scary man in the neighborhood. Sure. And he turns out to be a very nice man, and he is the reason that um, Macaulay Culkin actually makes it out alive. Right. Although, frankly, it seems a little unreasonable, because Macaulay Culkin has just burned these people, set them on fire, yeah, whacked them in the head with paint that... cans, and then they actually finally fall unconscious, you know, in the classic way that, you know, cartoon yeah. and, and movie yeah. people do, when this guy whacks them over the head with, like, one of those big, wide... Snow shovels. It's like right. those white snow shovels are very light. Yeah. If these guys have survived everything up to this hand, point, yeah, yeah, hand. they're not gonna, they're not going to be knocked out by that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. My principal complaint about this movie is something that runs through all John Hughes's movies, and it, it kind of runs through a lot of '80s movies. And if you see the house that Macaulay Culkin is home alone in, huge, it's freaking massive. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like, yeah, and it's played off like this is just your normal everyday home. Yeah. But you see that homes. you see that in all John Hughes's movies, in like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's taken for granted that people live in houses like that. Million dollar houses. Yeah, yeah, that's and true. The, and the same with sitcoms of the era as yeah, well. There was like there was this like yeah, everyone had money. It was a quick yeah, I, I just. It, 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 it's particularly idea. glaring these days, and it's it's kind of annoying. Yeah, that's so true. Um, so I wouldn't recommend. You're not going to want to watch this movie. Okay, uh, fair you're enough. Not, you're you're a grown man. <laughs> it's in our but it's in our top five. It's in our top five because it is now part of my Christmas tradition. Certainly, Joe is definitely going to watch it once he's eight years old, sure. and he's really like trying to envision you know hurting people. He's he's the type. He's he's very crotch punchy kind of kid it's that was always his favorite story. game when he was when he was a little bit younger <laughs> so uh so you know we've got that to look forward to so yeah it's, it's in my top five i don't think it's the greatest movie but it's it's a living part of my christmas tradition all right well i'm gonna go with well i guess we're in the number four slot now well oh god i haven't keeping count yeah <laughs> which, which way are we going are we starting with one or starting yeah, with... who cares yeah right fair it doesn't matter yeah. Well, one of my favorites yeah. for Christmas is actually another Reese one. And as I was thinking about this, too, you think of classic Christmas movies, you think of older, like It's Wonderful Life. Yeah. But now you've mentioned a couple of new ones. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm going to mention a relatively new one, 1988, Bill Murray in Scrooge. Ah, uh, I love this one. I got it for the kids. I thought they'd love it. Didn't appreciate it? They don't like it. I don't know You know, why. so I think there's a reason for that. Because, again, and I'm going to get very sentimental and yeah. thoughtful, but there is a very, like, obviously there's a strong message in this movie because it is, you know, Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Which is, you know, heavily laced with, with message. But this is one of the best, and, and, you know, a story that's been told so many times in so many different ways. You know, the Scrooge story in different formats and genres. But... This one fits really cool, fits really well, and the I think what really makes it for me, uh, Bill Murray's amazing, obviously. Yeah. The guy's amazing and a great actor, and the ghosts are great. I mean, they're just ridiculous. But what really made it hit for me was the end of the movie, again, is these speeches. These speeches really resonate with me for some reason. Yeah. And this speech at the end... You're very Shakespearean. I can be, yes. Yeah. I do appreciate a good... A good long yeah. retort, like a good long statement to the audience. 
And in this case was his, like he, at the crowning scene where he takes over the studio uh, to stop this Christmas Eve broadcast of, of A Christmas Carol, which had Mary Lou Retton in it, which was awesome. And had like these like dancers in like lingerie and Dickens era Victorian top hats and stockings um, and fishnet stockings. He like halts this and is like, no, why, you know, why are we working on Christmas Eve and let's have a party and, and then gets everyone sort of in the Christmas spirit, but then goes into this rant about like how it's important to like connect with people on Christmas and Christmas shouldn't be about making money. It should be about, you know, this, about being with people and that some people are struggling, you know, so you, you, you know, make them a sandwich, give them a blanket. It's Christmas Eve. It's, it's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We, we, we smile a little easier. We, 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 we share a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. It's really a sort of a miracle because it happens every Christmas Eve. And if you waste that miracle, you're going to burn for it. I know what I'm talking about. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having, having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. And if you, if you give, then, you, then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's, it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. And uh, it's great. It's a good feeling. It's, it's really better than I felt in a long time. It's, it's funny that, you know, in a movie that is a bit slapsticky at times, yeah. uh, and a story that's been told a million times, uh, and can, could be a bit hokey in this sort of genre as a TV producer, as Scrooge, that really tied it up quite nicely to me. And I think Tied the room together, as they say in uh, yeah, Big really, Lebowski. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> put, yeah, put a, yeah. Put a, yeah. And it put a real bow on it for me. Not to be critical of your movie, because I like this movie too. Uh, I particularly like the mullets and the, the shoulder pads, because it's yeah. like the ultimate it's go-go ultimate 80s movie. But yeah. it goes back to that irony that's in the heart of the Charlie Brown Christmas movie, where it's like, you know, Bill Murray, a great actor, but certainly a very bankable star. And certainly at this point, yeah, a very bad in 1988, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. This is a movie that's out to make money with an anti-money making message. Well, and it's like, I, how I sincere say, can you take that? I wouldn't that? say it'd be anti-money making. I think what it would be would be the message Moderating that... Moderating. Well, yeah. yeah. Or like, you know, there, like, I don't think anyone really criticized, you know, making money in this, in this movie. It's just that there are people falling yeah. behind. Yeah. And there's no reason why, you know, like, you know, not just on Christmas, but every day you should make I an just, effort I found that to that help was, these people. That out. was something that came up in the 80s where where you would have, you know, some, some commercial piece of entertainment with kind of this tacked on, and this may be an unfair criticism of Scrooge, this yeah. tacked on, hey, let's think of our fellow man message, when really well, what it was about really, was, you know, watching people get hit in the crotch. Well, and I, or, and I think that know, is unfair because suffer crap it is the story of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Like, I mean, that is the and biggest I imagine, tale. I, I, I and imagine no one was Dickens, a bigger, 
Dickens so probably got Dickens. rich. Well, I mean, he probably got rich off the. Well, I don't doubt he did, Dickens. but I think he, you know, he's. Well, I mean, Dickens. I mean, this is a whole other podcast. Yeah. You know, right. on Dickens, but he did a lot for, you know, to to highlight the plight of poverty yeah. in Victorian England. As a, as a human being, apparently, he was a bit of a. Yeah, I think he was bum. a bit of a. Yeah. Yeah, apparently, uh, his son ended up in the RCMP, did you, or Northwest Mounted Police. Yeah, I actually, didn't know that. Yeah, now he, he wrote he, a whole. He was a real dud as an yeah. RCMP or a Mounty. Yeah, really. He wrote a whole thing about Halifax, not his son uh, Dickens. Dickens he did. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he had anything particularly nice to say. No, about it, it was a pretty rough city back then too. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Anyways, I think it was one of the better fits to the Dickens tale. Yeah, I think the, I think it's very well done. Only that. other one, and here's my you know top five. We keep sliding in. You know, yeah, Muppet Christmas ones. Carol. Yes, yes, I really uh, wanted to do that one. Fabulous movie that actually, as I was reading, relaunched Michael Caine's career. Apparently, really, yeah. And Caine is a like, first off, Michael Caine again, outstanding actor. Absolutely adore Michael Caine, and this is a great role for him. Kind of a fun musical scenes with him. Yeah, this actually should be up there. Uh, yeah, I, maybe we'll I, expand this to like top whatever we're talking. I wanted about. to put that, but I haven't seen it in a while, so I can't. I didn't feel you know, and I'm qualified often, to speak. Maybe because it. it has Muppets in it that it maybe because you don't see it every Christmas. You know, like you Scrooge is on yeah. all the time. You yeah, see yeah. Scrooge. Obviously, it's wonderful. But I mean, Miracle I don't, like, I, like, like, you see. We don't have cable, so we're watching. We're we're going from you know either yeah, iTunes or, or, or Netflix yeah, or yeah, or actually, here's one that that isn't going to register in our top five. And it's kind of like the white whale of our Christmas viewing. There was this show made by Ardman Entertainment. So these are the guys who did um, Wallace and Gromit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and a Chicken, Chicken Run, Run and, a few, yeah. and a few other things. Yeah. And they made a Christmas special called Robbie the Reindeer. Okay. I don't know when they made it. They must have made it in either in the, like, the, the mid to late 90s mm-hmm. or the early 2000s. It's not available on any of the streaming services I have. Occasionally, it crops up on YouTube, but it's usually like the American overdub because it's British. So it's the American right. overdub where it's like um, not Britney Spears, but someone like Britney Spears, the the, the daughter of the achy breaky heart, Hannah Montana. What's her oh, name? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, not important. Anyway, anyway, yeah. so so we don't want to watch that. You got to watch Miley Cyrus. Yeah, Miley Cyrus. You got to watch the British version where I believe it's. Dougal from Father Ted. Have you ever seen Father yeah, Ted? Yeah, Father yeah, Ted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got some of the voices from Father Ted. This is true claymation. Yeah, okay. Yeah. In, in the Ardman, in the Ardman ilk. Um, just absolutely silly. But it's so hard to find. Even the DVDs, like it's hard, tough to get them in our, whatever you call it, area, yeah. geographical area, that the type of DVD that we use. Right. So so this is this is the uh, the white whale of our Christmas viewing. We managed to track it version down once every like couple of years. Okay. Uh, but so I just wanted to put in a plug for oh, that that's one. That's good. We're, yeah, it's we're definitely worth seeing. Yeah. So I think we have mentioned four. Do you yeah. have a fifth to wrap up? Do I have a fifth to wrap up? No, I do. You do. If you do, go for it. I do. So, and this one You're again, killing it. Not a, uh, a set against the backdrop of Christmas, which makes it a Christmas movie to some degree. Yes. And has like that warm sort of coming together. That- thing that is artificial hypocrisy that i've identified as bitter tonight on these christmas podcast tune in here for just anger and vitriol um critical critical dialectical uh yeah disassembly of the uh, uh, dickens's uh dickinson's work the uh more modern again 2004 uh nick hornby book about a boy I started watching this last night right. because you texted me, said, yeah, I, I want to do this one. And I'm like, 
is this a Christmas movie? Started watching it, fell asleep before Christmas. Okay. It must have been sort of like yes. around so it September is when I fell asleep. very much a Christmas movie. So again, okay. much like It's a Wonderful Life, it culminates at Christmas. Yeah. Uh, but also has this Christmas sort of backdrop to it that's throughout the movie that you, you probably didn't get to. Is, yeah. So the lead character, played by brilliantly by Hugh Grant, maybe because yeah. he didn't have to do any acting. Yes, <laughs> it just yes. plays this like so. I want British cad who you know is usually independently a, wealthy. I am a sucker for Hugh Grant's charm. Love Hugh Grant. It wasn't working on me when I was watching oh, it last night. You need to invest. If yeah. you hadn't have fallen asleep, it would have yeah, worked. Yeah, okay, because it's great. Yeah, okay, he's brilliant, and there's some great Hugh Grantisms in it. Yeah. Like it's written for Hugh Grant. It's fantastic. But his character is independently wealthy because his dad wrote a Christmas uh, song called Atomic Sa- Santa, Santa's Super Sleigh. And he just lives off the royalties. I love that notion. I know. I mean, who doesn't love that notion? Is that everyone's But dream. there's a certain... The reason why this one gets me more than one that we're going to talk close off with because yes. we hate it so yes. much. And that also has Hugh Grant in it. But the reason why this one resonates for me is... As much as this movie is, is is set in like you know central London, like Knightsbridge or one of these wealthy areas, yeah. London, he's wealthy. It has a darkness to it. So his dad, apparent, like there's a sort of backdrop that his dad wrote this one song, got famous on it, and it ruined his life because that's all anyone wanted to hear from him. And he and he became an alcoholic, and it it just killed him. That's sort of like us with episode three of Brad and Ed at 55. <laughs> People stop me on the street. It's like, just we'll do never, Brad and episode three for us. We'll I'm never. like, have you listened to Brad and Ed's top five albums? We haven't Where? We haven't reached yes. that pinnacle yet. Yeah. So there's this darkness to it. There's also, there's a suicide attempt in it. Uh, the young boy's mother has this is like, can we just yeah, can we stop yeah. there? Because this was when, when did this come out? Was this 2004? 2004. 2004. This was probably... I think one of the first movies, at least that I had seen or recognized, that actually dealt with mental health and depression yeah. fairly realistically. Yeah. And either it wasn't like, you know, as a weird plot device, right. just so you know, it was a thing that was happening in the movie and right. people were going to, you know, manage it rather than yeah, try exactly. to solve it or, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. just to drive the plot. Which forward. is kind of a point later on in the film, she does that character, uh, the boy's mother brings this up with Hugh Grant that's like, this is not something you can fix. Yeah. Like you just don't, isn't like you just roll up your sleeves and like, all right, we're going to fix you. You stop doing this. Stop being, you know, sick. Stop being mentally ill. Um, so there's a darkness to it, which I like a little darkness. I, it, it just can't be too sugary. You know, it can't be too sweet because it just drives you insane. Yeah. And, you know, so you have this bit of darkness, but still you have some great moments, funny. And then, of course, this kind of sad you know, the, the kid being bullied and yeah. taken in by Hugh Grant and his life just isn't getting any better despite Hugh Grant's in, interjection. And this kid is great. This young the kid actor, is great. He's I, amazing. Can I, can I, and he looks so like he looks, you know, he is cute, but he looks frumpy and has horrible haircut. So, so I was today. I, I took the kids to see the, the, the latest star Wars movie. Pretty good. I'll give oh, you, yeah. give you that. I'm not going to go, go into it too much, but the, the family sitting in front of me, there was, there was like, it must have been an extended family, but it was that kid's family. Like they right. were all in strange <laughs> dressed sweaters. In, dressed so, in so something there was, there like was, a Yeti. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was a 14 year old who had long hair and strange ill-fitting clothes. Yeah. And the mother in this 
clearly hand-knitted sweater with Christmas lights all over it. <laughs> yeah. And everybody had these strange hats on that clearly had been lovingly crafted. But but it was sort of seven, so it must have been like sort of three generations so of like is, of this insular like you know, and, and, and you just gotta wonder how you, happy are these people? And like, as you it's describe awesome. this, that makes me like this movie more. Yeah, because it hits those people perfectly. Yeah, like it like as much as it makes fun of Hugh Grant and his you know uh, shallow batch swinging bachelor existence. Yeah. Uh, it makes Wait, were they making fun of that existence? Because yeah. it looked amazing. It looked pretty me. sweet. As, as a man with two children, I was like, oh my god. I think the notion of segments of time, the yeah, 20 minutes. I live that. Uh, yeah. Like, I long like to units. live that. It's all yeah, in units. units that's units it. Units of yeah. 30 minutes. You know, uh, but also like it, it does a brilliant job of, of not targeting, but highlighting these type of characters yeah. as well. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, yeah. That movie again, culminate has this backdrop of his dad writing a Christmas song and has, and culminates in a Christmas, in a Christmas scene. Yeah, I, that's a Christmas movie, and uh, I mean, it's easy to work with because Nick Hornby. I mean, High Fidelity, great book. Yeah. Uh, being good, great book. Uh, I've, about never a boy, read, I've never read any of his books. Amazing author, man. British author. Yeah. Uh, yeah, High Fidelity. Check that out. Okay, that's I've certainly seen book. the movie, but uh, and, oh, great movie too. Yeah, John yeah. Cusack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but About a Boy is a great book as well. So you have a lot to work with out of the yeah. gate. You know what I mean? But I think Hugh Grant's self, like I joke. He didn't really need to do any acting. He was just basically playing himself, you know, a wealthy party boy Londoner. Uh, yeah, great movie. Smug jerk. So let's rant. Wait, are there any movies involved? Wait, is yeah, Hugh Grant is the prime minister. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, the are there any are there any gonna... Hugh Grant Christmas movies that you don't like? Yeah, this one, Love Actually. So why why are you so keen on this? Like now, I saw this years ago. And it's like, wow, that's a piece of garbage. I never want to watch that again. Yeah. And and my good lady wife was like, yeah, I never want to watch that again. But you, this is like a fresh wound for yeah, you. Yeah, so I've recently watched it again. And I'll, I watched it in the theater. So I saw it in, like, wow. I'll, I'll fess up. So you've invested money in this. I paid money to yeah. go see this. Initially. You know what? I'll fess up. I saw Ishtar in the theater <laughs> twice. Twice? Yeah. That's a that's a confessional. Yeah. So I was like 20. It was a good... So I think out of the gate, I liked it. And it's over time, I've developed my dislike for it. Okay. For the exception of two, maybe two storylines. Yeah, and this is the weird thing about this movie. Is yes. There's, there's parts you can like. There's parts you can swallow. Yeah. So the storylines, the problem is, is some of the storylines are too ridiculous to, to, to even consume. Now, one of those is, oddly enough, the one I like. And that is Hugh Grant as... A very Tony Blairish type prime minister. Okay, I'm, I, I'm I walking out right now. I'm 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 flipping I'm <laughs> flipping this table over I, and taking so my. So I like that's just I worst. like it on its face, oh. but it doesn't finish. Like again, it 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 suffers. What everything in this movie suffers is it's too damn cute. It gets a little too sweet and sugary. His love affair with his secretary. It's Tony which Blair. Would, he led England into <laughs> the war. Iraq. War. Oh, I know. It's very much Tony Blair, and yeah, his... Uh, it's like this fantasy. Stock is... It's, it's kind of oh, like... What, what it's a fantasy these, yeah, prime minister. These You're criticisms right. of like Hillary, like, you know, oh, if only she had won the yeah. election. It's like, what no, would it be like? you Man, don't know Tony what Tony Blair like. did this thing. I know, I know. Don't so, make I mean, up where he stands up I think up it's for... just because I like Hugh Grant. I uh, let that one ride. Uh, the kid who uh, wants to, like, romance... His mother just dies... But he's more, and he's so thoughtful, this kid, and painfully cute. And I fucking hate him because of that. Yeah. Like, he's so sugary sweet. Compare him to the kid 
in uh, about a boy yeah. who is getting bullied and is having a hard time, and he wears cheap clothes and everything else. Yeah, this kid is cute and is like obviously parents are wealthy. He lives in amazing downtown London. There was this whole series of films. I think they're all made by the same guy. It might be Richard Harris. I'm not sure. Who. All coming out of London about yeah, the yeah, like yeah, Notting yeah. Hill. Yeah, and, Notting um, Hill. Literally. Three weddings and seven funerals or yeah. whatever it was. Oh, that one also. Let uh, it go. I, I that was that. an early British one that was pretty sad. I, I like it when they do the Auden at the funeral. Yeah, that's know. true. That's yeah. true. Anyway, so love actually too many. Like, you're right. Like, and it's so, so goddamn rich and oh, pleased with itself. I know it's so. It's yeah, I really have developed a. This is turning into a real lefty broadcast. It really is. Yeah. However, there yeah. is one, and we talked about it just yeah. a second ago. One solid storyline: the old rocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Nighy is the uh, who's amazing. Yes. At this. Absolutely amazing. I can't even remember the song, but it was so oh, crappy. Something's it just a horrible song. Isn't it just like Love sung, is in the Air? Where yeah, but it's just... Christmas is in the air. <laughs> and he, the great part about it is because he so obviously makes fun of this like blatant commercial attempt yeah. to make some money. Yeah. yeah, obviously what we did was we substitute love with Christmas. Yeah. And it's a total bag of shit. Like, yeah. And then this whole idea that he's, you know, going to push for the Christmas hit. Yeah. And you know, over like, these I mean, like young rockers, a, it, this could have been a good movie if, like, they had just like like they were they were trying to be so sweet that they just went overboard. Like, like, you're they, right; they didn't have to be biting. Like, I don't want, I don't need biting you don't satire in biting. my Christmas. No, no, but no. You, you, you gotta find the oh, right level, and they just went way overboard. Toothache when you're done consuming yeah. this. Yeah, 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 it's horrible. It can't. It cannot be. Consumed. The, the other story I like, and I don't know how it ends, but uh, the. From my memory is the uh, the Martin Freeman one where they're the porn oh, the standards. Porn. I mean, that's just a, yeah, that's just a funny concept. I, kind of, I can't so really it's remember not how. as much of a, a storyline in the film as yeah. it is just sort of a, a running gag, a running gag, which again it's annoys a, me that you had to inject this into it. Oh, I don't uh, mind the occasional running like gag. injected running. Yeah, gag. Oh, I like maybe. I like my gags running. Yeah, that's maybe a, I'm just really really God, tired I, of this movie. Now who's bitter? I know. Well, it had to happen eventually, man. So, anyway, so I guess we've identified at least five movies we like. And probably found problems with all of them. And found something wrong with all of them. Several old Christmas chestnuts that are great. Charlie Brown Christmas special. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, both problematic. Yeah, both, <laughs> both have issues with them, but still great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and one that we both truly dislike. Ah, oh, God, yeah. So, yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. Ned, Merry Christmas. I feel it in my fingers I feel it in my toes I feel it in my toes, yeah Love is all around me All around and me And so the thing I'm afraid you did it again, Bill.